Are you new to the indie publishing world? Do you want to know if self-publishing is right for you? You've come to the right place, where you'll find tips, tricks, and the answers to the questions you've always had about writing, marketing, and self-publishing. Welcome to the Hot Mess Writer's Life. Help for the indie author with me, Lynn Howard. Hey, y'all. Welcome back. It is Lynn Howard. And today I have Edward Hancock II with me. Say hello, Eddie. Hello. Eddie and I have been friends for a very, very, very long time, and he's one of the few people on Facebook that I actually converse with outside of Facebook, of course, because we're both authors and we're both weirdos. So, Eddie, would you tell us a little bit about the Mendez series first, because that's the one I love? Yeah. Well, the Mendez series, uh, I write under what I call the the genre um, detective thrillers, Uh, and I do that because each one's kind of a little bit different. Um, one is is sort of a it's a pure murder mystery. You don't know who the killer is right up until the the end, and just when you think you've got it, I switch it up on you. And then there's another one that that comes right after it, where not only do you know who the killer is, you actually spend half the book bouncing back and forth between Alex Mendez and the killer. So you actually spend half the book in the killer's head. So I write under um, the the genre that that I call detective thrillers. And what are the other books? Um, I have a couple of history books that I wrote. They're actually, um, it's a long story, but the short version is I'm very passionate about uh, genealogy and, um, I'm named after my grandfather. That's why I'm a second, not a junior, because there's kind of a skip of, of a generation in there. And when he was a young man, he was in world war II, And of course I didn't know that till after he died. And I inherited, uh, some stuff from him, which included, some letters that he had written to his mother back when he was in World War II. So I I compiled those and and published those in a collection of of letters, which is actually available on Amazon. It's called Letters Home, A Soldier's Story. Uh, And just kind of, I'm sure we'll go into it later, but I I call it a common man story because like one of the very first letters, you know, he's an 18-year-old boy. One of his first letters home is that he forgot socks and underwear. I remember you actually talking about uh, those letters and writing that book. I remember that. And the most recent book that I've actually put out is actually another uh, genealogical type book. It's based on a conflict in East Texas, my native East Texas, back in the 1840s. It was called the Regulator-Moderator War. And I had, uh, so far in my genealogical discoveries, I've found five ancestors that in some way were involved in that particular or connected to that particular conflict. And so I kind of wrote a book detailing not so much about the, the conflict itself, because there are several books and websites about that, but more or less focusing on their particular specific involvement. Now, how far back have you, have you gone? I, I, I love seeing the pictures of the famous people, but how far back have you gone? For my genealogy, I've actually gotten back, believe it or not, to ancient Roman times. I've actually traced one line back to the, I think, the late 300s A.D., so are you using like Ancestry.com or what are you doing? There's honestly, there's a bunch of websites. Ancestry is the big one. They they truly are the biggest one and the best when they have the most records. But there's Family Search. Uh, of course, there's Find a Grave. There's Genie.com, G-E-N-I.com, um, Wikitree, which is kind of like the Wikipedia of, of Ancestry sort of thing. Um, I mean, there's just... Uh, but one of the one of my favorite websites for genealogy is actually a, a website that this guy does called family or excuse me famouskin.com k i n famouskin.com and he that's why I was able to find a lot of information 
to connect me to certain people because I got back on my own to uh, King Edward the First of of England. He's all, he's called the Hammer of the Scots and Longshanks and a whole bunch of other nicknames. And through him, I've actually connected myself to multiple presidents and uh, actors and actresses, um, such as Clint Eastwood, for example. Um, uh, you know, and, and it's it's just been really neat because every everybody every week he'll come up with two or three more, and I'm like, hmm, I wonder if I'm connected to them. <laughs> Is that the King Edward that was in uh, Braveheart? Yes, yes, it, yeah, that's the one that was depicted in Braveheart. You know, I love seeing when people are like, you know, they have this this heritage it's so rich and it's they know they're from a viking line or they're mm. mine is so muddled like i was able to find we were told growing up that we were cherokee i found my my family on the dawes rolls were choctaw and both grandmothers were half choctaw and they the whole lives they thought they were cherokee i don't know how in the world that was so mistaken maybe it was popular? I don't know, but I was able to trace my family back to the Dolls Rolls. I would love to go back even farther, but you know, I have a few hobbies here and there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because we're, we're talking about um, ancestry, you know, like with Edward the First and, and everything else. Not only am I connected to Edward the First, but if you remember that movie, he fought, one of the people he fought against was Robert the Bruce. Yes. And I'm actually related to Robert the Bruce as well. <laughs> So oh, they were sneaking around behind people's backs. Yeah. So it's pretty neat. So what are you working on right now then? Is it just a genealogy or do you have a book in the works? Well, you know, it's kind of, I actually have several books in the works being, you know, that I, that I do work on the genealogy. That's, that's my main hobby is the genealogy. Um, I have a couple of books that I'm going to eventually put out. One of them is a, it's going to be a years long project. It's not anything that's going to come out anytime soon, but um, one that I'm working on, you kind of lived through with me in a way. And, and that was, um, my father's battle with the, you know, with the big bad virus that we've yeah. just had. Um, you know, he nearly died. He had yeah. a heart attack. He had a stroke. Um, and you know, it was literally, I mean, he's still going through it as we speak. Um, uh, I I'm going to see him tomorrow. He's uh, actually back in a, a physical rehab facility because of some, uh, mitigating circumstances and some, not really a true relapse, but, you know, but I'm working on that, you know, those they stories. It, they call it long haulers when people continue to, to suffer from, right. we had it here, my husband, myself, my mom, and my uncle all had it, but I think we had, what's that, uh, Omicron or whatever, because I mean, we got through it unscathed. My uncle did go to the hospital, but he has COPD. But I mean, we felt miserable, but we got through it okay. You know, we have no lingering. The only lingering thing I have, I don't smell things as sensitively as I used to. Like, I I, I didn't mind the masks because people stink. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. But everything tastes like it's been peppered just on the sides of my tongue. That's like the only lingering things I've had since having COVID. My husband has nothing. He's had no lingering issues at all. Wow. So I will continue praying for your dad. We have the whole time. Yeah. So this whole channel is dedicated to indie authors. So just so everyone knows, my boy, Eddie, is an independent author slash self-published author. This yes. is what we do. Now, do you have any marketing tips for those that are just starting out on this indie path? Um, you know, the best tip I can give you, whether it's marketing or writing or whatever, 
is find your own path, find what fits you. Because a lot of people will tell you, well, you just need to be on Twitter and you need to just be blasting Twitter or you need to be blasting Facebook and you need to be calling your friends and your Aunt Martha's and your end of this and that, you know, that may not be your personality, you know, exactly. and, you know, you need to find the methods that suit you the best. You know, for me, I was actually very uncomfortable in the start, uh, going to like a lot of fairs and festivals and stuff, but I just, I kind of threw myself into it and actually got, I'm, I'm at the point now I've been doing this for a decade. I'm very comfortable now I can get up there. And luckily I inherited my, my father's personality and my mother's gift of gab. So I can get up there and talk to you for an hour and make you think I'm an expert on something that I've never even experienced. <laughs> I wish you had seen my face when you said you were uncomfortable with conventions. Cause I'm like, I've seen the pictures. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, I mean, I still get nervous. Don't get me wrong. Right. Kind of like if you've ever seen a duck swimming on a mill pond, you know, on the surface, it's all calm and cool and collected. Meanwhile, below there's those feet just going. Edlin, you know, Edlin. That, that's me. You, <laughs> know. you know, when I get the most nervous is when someone wants me to sign their book. I don't know why. I get so nervous about yeah. signing. Like, why? I'm just nobody. I'm just this nerd that sits in a little room. <laughs> You know, um, yeah. you said you said earlier about blast on Twitter, blast on Facebook. When people try to tell you to be on every social media, you're going to burn yourself out. I mean, exactly. can you back me up on that? Oh, 100 percent. I mean, I, I tried it for, you know, a long time and I mean, I couldn't keep up with it. You know, have I posted here? Have I posted there? I mean, it, it's it, it gets when you're a one person show, it gets nuts. Yes. Pick something. One, two, three that you enjoy. I like TikTok, yeah. but. I don't really blast my books. I just be silly and like there'll be a hot guy and I'll stitch it and I'll be like, yeah, y'all were supposed to tag me. I could have missed this, you know, things like that. Or it's book research, you know, and right. I've actually had people pop on like, oh my God, I didn't realize that was you. And that is the weirdest thing. Yeah. When somebody like recognizes your books and they're like, oh, they put it together because I'm the hot mess author on, on uh, Instagram and TikTok and because- well, I'm a hot mess. So, oh, hot. you know, it, it's the neatest thing is when you're out in public and you're not selling your books, like you're at a restaurant or something. Of course, you know, it's kind of hard to be right now, but you're just somewhere out generally in public and somebody comes up to you and recognizes you. I have not had that happen. Oh, it, it, it will. And it will freak you out. I have not had that happen. And, you know, part of, you know, the fun of being an author is you can be anonymous, but I... I don't know if you remember years ago that I had email communication with Ann Rice. Highlight of my life. Like, I still have that printed out yeah. because, you know, it's Ann Rice. I, yeah. What if I didn't know who she was? It's just a name on a book. Right. You know, it's kind of fun to get to see the people, you know, Edward Hancock, the second who writes this, my favorite series. It's fun to see your life. It's fun to see, you know, what you do outside of writing, that you are a human being. Right. And, you know, it, it, the, I was talking about the, you know, shows and stuff like that. Um, of course, I haven't been able to do that, that many shows. This is, this year is going to be the first, you know, real shows that I've done. And, you know, since the outbreak. Yeah, me too. Um, and, you know, but it's, I remember getting back, you know, I want to get back into that because I remember there was a, a show that I did in Texarkana where this person literally came up to me. I I was literally, I was barely set up. I, I had, you know, put my tablecloth on. I was barely completely set up. This guy come, or this, this woman comes up to me and she's got this young, younger ish guy with her. And she like kind of plops her hands down on my t table. And she says, I want one of everything. Oh. <gasps> 
huh. And I'm like, what? And I was talking to her and she had actually seen that I was going to be there that weekend. And I guess she had gotten one of my first books somewhere else. I, I don't I don't know where, but she said she had just, you know, she knew she had to find my book somewhere, find me somewhere and figure out how to get my books. Oh, she that is amazing. I love that. Amazon, you know, she didn't realize they were even on Amazon. So I love. Are you on any other sites or just Amazon? Are you exclusive? Uh, well, last I checked, and to be honest with you, I don't really keep up with it, but last I checked, I'm on uh, Barnes and Noble, um, you know, all those, all the, the major chain websites, you know, you can get my books through those. Um, the main, you know, the main one everybody knows is Amazon. Right. So, and since I'm, I'm kind of in, in a transitional period right now because I'm kind of revamping my website and, uh, possibly not necessarily rebranding, but kind of moving a lot of things. Right. So I, I direct people either to Amazon or to my author page right now. Yeah, I'm. Uh, my paperbacks are available through me, Amazon or Barnes and Noble, but I am Amazon exclusive for my eBooks, and that's just what works best for me. Yeah, well, yeah, for my eBooks, yes, I'm I'm Amazon exclusive. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 hard to explain to people when they're like, "Well, how can you sell it at Barnes and Noble?" I actually I might go talk to my local Barnes and Noble, which when I say local, it's like thirty minutes away because there's nothing, and that's highway driving, by the way. There's nothing local here, but they had at one point, you know, mentioned me bringing some paperbacks and I may be doing a signing. So now right. that the world's opening back up again, I might do it. Right, and you know, Barnes and Noble, the, well, not to pick on Barnes and Noble because it's the big change in general. You never really know. There, we have you know several bookstores, you know, within probably thirty to, to forty five minutes drive here. And most of them are not very, uh, not very open to independent authors, and that, and that makes me sad because yeah. you know there's there's a market out there that if they would just you know let us come up come set up for two or three hours for a book signing, they they would be out no money. Right. Exactly. You know? I can't tell you the last. I'm trying to think the last uh, traditionally published author I wrote, and I don't go seeking independent authors, but man, some of my favorite authors out there are they're indies. Diane Duvall, T.S. Joyce. I mean, I can go on, but those are two of my favorites. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, of course, I'm, I'm good friends with uh, C.J. Peterson. And, you know, I, I've start, I finally uh, started reading her books. And, you know, because we've been friends, kind of like with, with me and you, we've been friends for years. And I finally started reading her books. And I'm just like, wow, okay, this is, okay, she's, she's not, <laughs> she's good, you know, so. But who's your better friend? Um, well, you know. If we have to pick, I'm going to just kind of ramble on here for just a minute and make you wonder. I, I can mute you. I can mute you. Just remember that. I uh, can mute you anytime. Since she's probably going to be listening to this, I'm going to say you're both very wonderful <laughs> friends in very different ways because she's going to be listening to this. <laughs> she better be. Dang it. Subscribe. Okay. Dang and it. You actually are very different genres. So, you know, I like you both in very different ways. I love you both the same. It's what? What is that line on uh, Lethal Weapon? It's different, not better. Because he was talking about, you know, his wife died. And he's moving on, and yeah. and, and uh, Leo was the character's name. I, I loved him, you know, differently. It wasn't better. Like you can move on. I love that line, even though I can't remember how it goes. But CJ, he likes me better. So, anyways. Um, <laughs> In fairness, now she has has toured with me, which is something you have not done, but, you know. I tried to hang out with you, but it was right, right at the beginning of COVID. You remember that? I do remember that. I was in Dallas. That was the only reason I couldn't go, was because I was afraid. 
and I can't drive and I can't fly. So I have to get rides everywhere. I'm my first and only uh, convention this year as of right now. You never know, it might change, but still can. I do almost every year, but it was over for two years because yeah. of COVID. And we're going back. And actually, my best friend's going with me this year. She's going to have her little metaphysical table. I'm going to see if Becky will seat us together. I've met just the most amazing people at these conventions. Oh, I know. Exactly. You know, readers, uh, fellow, you know, tables just, and of course, you know, you buy from each other and you find some favorite things doing that way. Yep. Can you talk to us about writing with disabilities? Because I've mentioned in the past about, you know, with my uh, vestibular migraines, how I'm pretty much homebound a lot have to be, you know, transported. Can you talk to us about your disability? Well, uh, of course, it's called spina bifida, and it would probably be a, a show unto itself if we were to actually go into the the, the you know minute intricacies of spina bifida. But what it is at at the core is it's a neurological defect, and it, it, it affects your as you know the name would suggest it affects your spinal column, and it happens during the, during the pregnancy when 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 the mom's pregnant the child as they're forming each vertebrae forms separately you know and so you know you have your your cervical spine which is your neck and and neck region then you have your thoracic spine which is the mid back then you have the lumbar which is your lower back and then the sacral which is the tailbone okay there's your little biology lesson for the day yeah okay (laughs) so and the the higher up uh on the spine there's the point where it stops forming. The, each vertebrae stops forming, okay, leaving the the spinal cord, the the soft spinal cord, exposed. And the higher up that that's, that occurs, the more severe the spina bifida. And it basically, you know, it can leave you, you know, it can be in the neck region. It can leave you pretty much a mental vegetable, and, and you're you're just kind of there, not able to feed yourself, not able to to move or whatever. Um, with me, it's actually sort of on the lower lumbar, almost to the to the tailbone uh, area. So there's not a whole lot for me that's effective. I, affected. I, I actually live fairly independent. I, I do live alone, as, as you know. I've got my little puppy dog that's just starting to wake up, um, and and two fat cats <laughs> that are getting way too old and, and too comfortable for their own good. Um, but you know, I. I pretty much for the most part, you know, I live alone. I live independent. If something happens, um, you know, I've got an uncle that's 10 minutes one way and another uncle that's, you know, 15 minutes the other way. And, you know, and and my mom's about 15, 20 minutes away. So, I mean, it's not like I'm just destitute. My neighbor across the street is just the sweetest old man you're ever going to meet in your life. So, you know, something was to happen. I've got, you know, help accessible, but, um, for me, it's mostly in the legs. I I do use a wheelchair. I I didn't always, but when I was in my twenties and and married, I ha- had a fall, and I actually had fract I fractured the uh, fourth and fifth lumbar vertebrae. They're just mm-hmm. micro fractures, about a half an inch long, but it was enough to basically end any walking that I was to do without it without the aid of crutches. So like around the house, you know, you'll see me like with a walker or on crutches, but anytime I leave the house to do anything, I'm going to be in, in my wheelchair. You you mentioned on Facebook, you know, your chronic pain. How do you work through that? How do you keep writing and keep with your career when you're in that much pain? Do you just call it a day or do you work through it? Well, it just kind of depends. You know, I, I did a, 
I did an interview a couple of years back and, and the person didn't know me from Adam. And, but one of the questions that they asked me was, what's a typical day like for Edward Hancock? And I said, honestly, the typical day for me is anything but typical because I kind of take it as it comes. There, there's some days, you know, like today we're, we're expecting a, a huge rainstorm. And so being that I'm 48 and disabled and I've got a bum shoulder and everything else, I'm kind of a human barometer. And, you know, so today I'm, I'm sitting in my easy chair and my knees are hurting and my shoulders hurting, <laughs> you know, probably won't do too much today. Now, tomorrow we're expecting clear skies and 75 degrees. I'll probably get a lot of writing done when I get home from, from the hospital seeing my dad, you know, but it, it just kind of depends. I mean, I listen to my body and, you know, there's some days where all my brain wants to do is just go pain, pain, pain. And then there's some days when it's like, Come and listen to my story. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people out there that say to be a writer, you have to write every day. And yeah. I believe you need to form a schedule. Yeah. But that schedule doesn't have to consist of every single time sitting down right. to write. There's times when, you know, I'm exhausted, you know, especially with the, the migraine thing. It actually causes chronic uh, fatigue. Right. So part of my schedule that day, instead of writing, I might research. Right. I might talk to other authors, you know, I, I might text you with something or Genevieve Scholl, which is my editor slash PA slash like bestie. Yeah. <laughs> she took precedent over you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. <laughs> we talk like several times throughout the day. It's, it's nonstop. As far as she hasn't texted me, but yeah, it's, it's that whole myth of to be a writer. You have to write every day. Now I, I do believe you know, you do need to do something every day. And, yes. you know, like you say, you know, you can do research or, or whatever else. I mean, for me, even if I stay in, you know, if I'm in such pain that I stay in bed, I've got a stack of books by my bed that I can read. Yep. Okay. Even if I'm reading, that's still working on my writing career because it's strengthening those muscles. Well, and that's the thing is any, I, I have always said any writer that says they don't have time to read, be leery of that they're writing. Right. You have to constantly, and not, I'm not talking about marketing and craft books. I mean, you have to keep reading fiction, whether in your genre or not. Right. And I would highly recommend, you know, you were talking about uh, advice and, and everything else. I would highly recommend reading outside of your genre. Yes. You know, and especially if you don't like it, like if you don't like sci-fi, if you don't like Star Trek and Star Wars and, and all that stuff, I would highly recommend reading it because reading some exposing yourself to that stuff that you're dead set against, it's going to actually enrich your writing. Was that a jab at me? No. Why? Do you not like Star Trek, Star Wars? Uh, I like Star Wars, but I'll be I'll tell you not so much secret. When the kids were a little bit younger and me and Mike and the kids were sitting around and I needed a nap, I would turn on Star Wars. <laughs> okay. They all watch and I would take a nap. And I've never watched. Mike has watched, um, my husband has watched the Star Trek movies. And I've, you know, I don't sit very often. I, I just don't. I don't, I don't want to say I have ADHD, but I am one of those people that like to stay active. So like sitting and watching a movie without playing on my phone or petting a cat or, you know, whatever yeah. feels weird to me. So sitting and watching a movie that I'm not into, I think the last sci-fi movie I liked was considered a sci-fi horror, uh, deep, deep horizon. Uh, what was that called? Anyways, can't remember the name of it. It's been like back in like late nineties. That's how long ago. I just, I don't know. 
I just can't get into it. I love all books. I love, I mean, there's even 50, you know, that book. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get past the first chapter, but good for her, man. You know, it just showed that she got hot and heavy writing it and it came off the pages. So if people love these Star Trek, Star Wars, it just means that they brought those scenes to life so much, you know, that you're all of a sudden on this planet or whatever. And that's another thing, you know, probably when we're finished, you know, with this and everything, I'll probably binge watch a couple of episodes because that's, you know, what that's another thing that I typically do when I'm writing is I have an episode of one of the Star Trek series in the background. I have, I only have um, Spectrum, I guess it's called now, instead of Charter in my cave. But this current book that I'm working on, it's top secret till, till it's time. Um, for some reason, it wants Viking folk music. Hmm. So if I have the TV on, it's, it's muted. Normally, my favorite time of the day is when The Office comes on Comedy Central. That I can just, I can, because I've seen every single episode a thousand times, so I can just let it play and I'm good to go, you know. But this, this time it's Viking folk music, but it might have something to do with the fact that we have been binge watching Vikings, the uh, show. Yeah. Well, that, as much of a history buff as I am, that's one show I have not been able to get into, and I've tried multiple times. Oh, I freaking love it. I saw a preview, I think it was on Netflix, for Vikings Valhalla. I'm like, well, that looks good because I love action. I love period type movies, you know, anything like that. So we watched it. I'm like, wait, wasn't there a show called Vikings? So after we watched Vikings Valhalla and there was um, Leif Erikson was in it, mm-hmm. as in like, you know, the Viking Leif. Yeah. Um, so we're watching this. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And I went and started Googling. These were all real people. Yeah. This, I mean, obviously creative license and everything, but these were all real people, which of course just makes it all that much more interesting to me. How could you not get into that? I don't know because I, I am obsessed with history. And, and I mean, I love most of the actors that are in the, the Viking show, you know? Um, I heard Gracie. Yep. She was, she's waking up. <laughs> But, you know, it's just, I don't know, for some reason, I just could not get into it. And it's really weird because all of the early uh, Danish kings and all that stuff, guess who's related to them? Uh-huh. See, you're, turn it, you're turning your back on your family. Uh-huh. uh-huh. What about Witcher? Did you watch Witcher? No. No, that one I, that one I just skipped over. Oh, I love it. Love it. But I see, I like paranormal, supernatural, you know, I love all that. And then it's got so, so much action. And my favorite part, Henry Cavill. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, not to, you know, not for nothing, but Henry Cavill doesn't really do it for me, you know. Sigh. (laughs) I sure do love him. So something I've been focusing my YouTube channel and this podcast on a lot lately was how to be a writer while living life. Because I get asked a lot, you know, how do you write so many books and still get anything done? And at one point, I actually had to take a break from the podcast and YouTube because I was doing too much. And I I burned the candle at both ends and I was falling asleep on the couch like every night, like at like eight o'clock. That's not me. Yeah. So I have my own rhythm now. How do you maintain your schedule, your life, with the writing and taking care of grace and, you know, feeding yourself and all that good stuff. Honestly, uh, this is going to sound 
cliche or whatever, but it's a lot of trial and error. I mean, like I say, I've been on the road more or less for the last, well, for the last 11 years, because I started in, in earnest really in late 2010, early in, in 2011. Um, and that first year that, you know, there's 52 weeks in a year. All right. That first year that I was on the road, I was somewhere 48 out of 52 weekends. That's not Good an exaggeration. Lord. There were four weekends I was not somewhere. And, you know, the second weekend, it was probably down to about 30. Uh, and then by the third year, I was just, it was kind of, I had established which places were going to produce, which places weren't going to produce. And so I was basically about once a month, maybe two times a month, if, if you know, depending on the scheduling of, of events. Um, so, you know, as far as that goes, it's just a matter of scheduling you know, when, when do I, you know, when do I need to be on the road? Okay. Well, if I know I got to be on the road on this date, I know I got to have my laundry done by this date. Otherwise I'm going to be tired by the time I get there. <laughs> right. Right. And, uh, you know, it's just a matter of, I'm not a, I'm a very, very much not a scheduling type of guy, but at the same time, I kind of have to stay sort of sort of on top of things given given my disability like whenever i go to a a new place for example i will probably show up an hour early because i've got to make sure that i know where the entrances are where you know where's the handicap entrance what's the best way to go what you know and and all that stuff and how is this you know what's my you know i want to make sure because i'm not the best with directions i want to make sure i don't get lost (laughs) (laughs) i'm directly challenged too so GPS has been like the best invention ever. Yeah, it's my my new routine because I used to, you know, I'd talk to my mom for this amount of time and then I'd write from 10 a.m. to whatever. So now it's like I know that I need to wash the dishes, do the laundry, vacuum the floor. So I'll write 2,000 words. I'll get up and wash the dishes. I'll write 1,000 words. And each time I set that this is the goal I'm going to do because I'm trying to do some lifestyle changes. Um. I bought some, it's called Halo ice cream, H-A-L-O. And so like the entire pint is like 330 calories. So you don't need a whole pint. So I told myself, because I hadn't had sugar in a while, I'm like, okay, after you've written 2,000 words, you can go get a bowl of ice cream. Eddie, I don't think my fingers ever, ever moved as fast as they did that day. Like smoke was coming off of them because I wanted that ice cream. But I find if I set myself, and so, you know, when I finish this chapter, when I finish you know, this sentence, this paragraph, each goal doesn't have to be, I'm going to write a book. Yeah. And let me just also say that when you say that, you know, you don't need the whole pint, you know, speaking for myself personally, I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. Well, okay. Listen, listen, <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> I would like the whole pint. I would like a whole gallon of Rocky road damn ice cream right now, but I'm trying it's beyond just the, oh, my clothes are getting tighter because I yeah. I went to the doctor Monday and I had my physical. I still haven't gotten the blood work done. And I'm terrified to look at that with the um, hormones and the you know cholesterol and all that. But it, it, my hips were hurting and my knees and my feet, and my ankles. So it's kind of become, I want to feel better. So right. I'm, I'm too young and my disability is literally nothing to do with the rest of my body. So there's no reason that my hips should hurt when I'm walking. I'm 45. I'm not 85, you know. So and I've been taking my girls with me, the dogs, but they're 11 and 9, and they get so excited to go. And about halfway, 
They're like, oh, we're still going. <laughs> I'm practically dragging them back to the house, you know. So their walking days might be over. They're 9 and 11. I mean, yeah. that's that's getting up there in age. And it's probably warm for two black dogs. You know, uh, I, don't have to, I don't have to worry about that with Gracie. I mean, if, if I were to ever take her for a walk down my street, it'd be like a sled dog, you know, her <laughs> wheelchair. So She's still hunting the leaves. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she she actually she sort of kind of tried to make a friend yesterday. I had a deer wander across my yard, and she was kind of wandering. You know, she wasn't like chasing after; she was kind of wandering up to it, and the deer just kind of sprinted off. Wow, my dogs would go nuts. They they do go nuts when they're where I live is kind of wooded. Yeah. So we're like, we're in the country and then our property is completely surrounded by woods. It's not like we live out in the middle of nowhere, but it's surrounded by woods. So there's always deer and all kinds of things, critters. Right. They go nuts pulling on that chain. Yeah, go ahead. Cause I promise you're not going to win guys. Yeah. And then every night I get my possum or raccoons visiting me in the garage, eating the cat food. We had an injured raccoon show up and he was like, there was a bag of garbage. I'm cleaning out the garage. And he was like sleeping with his head almost like pillowed on the bag of garbage. And I'm like, babe, I don't know what's going on. Well, he flipped over. I said, come look at this. There was gashes. So I said, if he's still here tomorrow, I'm going to catch him. You know, I'll just get the welding gloves on and I'm going to take him. Well, he hasn't come back. So I don't know if he survived or not. Oh, no. I don't mind possums being out there. Possums don't carry diseases, but raccoons, you know. They can carry rabies. I don't like any of the varmints, so. <laughs> I love everything but spiders and scorpions. I, I mean, I don't want bugs on me or in my house, but yeah. I like mice. I like rats. I like lizards. You know, I love my lizards. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any advice as far as how to start writing for newbies? Uh, gosh. Well, I don't really know uh, that I would have good advice because I'm sort of I'm I'm kind of a a freak when it comes to the writing thing, and I don't mean that in a weird way. Well, I like, yeah, actually, I kind of do, but uh, he is a freak. I, I was born to do this, and because it's like I'm the type of person if I'm sitting alone in a corner, which I'm prone to do. I'm going to start looking at the situation and whatever is going on, my mind is going to turn that into a story that has nothing to do with what's going on. And, you know, I'll give you just an example. This is kind of the way that Alex Mendez was born. It, it's kind of the, the precursor to how Alex Mendez was born. I was back in college and I was sitting in the library between classes and I was just, you know, just kind of up looking around and just uh, this guy happened to, walk through the the door the front door there and uh walk at this time they had like the little detectors to make sure you weren't stealing library books and whatever <laughs> you know so he he walked through those and uh i said in my mind i said wouldn't that have been neat if when he walked through those little detectors that his head exploded oh. <laughs> and it was like you know, that's where my mind goes. Weird things like that. And it's not, not always about exploding heads, you know, but I mean, it could be just, you know, wouldn't it be neat if, you know, those two people that hate each other, they suddenly fall in love, you know, wh whatever, you know, it happens to be. But my mind is always telling stories. Well, that's that's just coming up with the story ideas. People like us, I've always talked about, you know, all I have to do is see the news, see somebody talk, watch a TV show, and I come up with an idea. Yeah. Well, where would you tell them to start? Would you tell them to research the industry first? Would you tell them to just start writing? Would you tell them to do short stories first? Um, 
honestly, no. I would tell them to follow their heart because, you know, when I first started, I like I say, I was nine years I wrote my first short story when I was nine years old. Okay. And I can honestly say I got my first sell there to, uh, to be, to kind of shorten the story. Um, I wrote the story and, you know, did what a lot of kids do. I showed it to my mom who did what a lot of moms do when their child shows them this, their first little masterpiece or whatever. She dotes on it. And so what did I do? I grabbed a roll of my dad's duct tape without asking, sorry, dad, and <laughs> went to my room and bound it on one side and ended up selling it to my mom for a nickel. You know? Oh my gosh. And so I can literally say I got my first sale when I was nine years old. Um, you know, but also, you know, that was kind of the last short story that I wrote for a while. And I got into about the time I was about 10, 11 years old, I started writing, you know, real simple poetry, you know, just little, you know, rhyming poetry and stuff like that. It wasn't, it wasn't any good. Nothing that's ever going to see the light of day, but it was just where my, where my heart was. And, um, then by the time I was 14, 15, I picked up short stories again and you, you just have to follow what's in you and just get it out. Just put it on the paper, whether it's a poem or if you see something about the news and you want to start a blog, uh, because something moves you to an impassioned, you know, idea, you know, do that, you know, whatever it is that's in you start there and worry about the industry later. I you love know. that. I love that. I love what you just said about, you know, when you're in passion and you got this, this yeah. desire inside of you. Because, you know, you hear you hear different advice from everybody and everyone, just like dieting, everybody's got their, their advice and their plans and, you know, everything else. It's, I like that. What's in you needs to come out. Yeah. My Angelou says something along those lines. If you have a story inside of you, it has to come out. Right. You know, my walls littered with uh, framed writing quotes. I've always said, you know, about emotions, you can't cry a tear that's not in you. Get it out. And the same thing with writing. You can't tell a story that's not in you, so get it out, you know? Now, how do you feel about things like beta readers, critique groups? I don't uh, have a critique group, but I do have beta readers. Beta readers are important because they 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 become a part of your audience, you know? And, and they are going to gauge what your audience is going to feel. Now, critique groups... I will say that I'm personally jaded on critique groups me too. based based on past experiences of people stealing work, not just from me, but from others. I just got uh, bullied. And, well, that too. Um, but they, you know, in an effective and, and positive environment, they can also serve a purpose, you know? Yeah. I think if you find the right people, yeah. you know, like if you, me and Genevieve were to form our own little circle, you know, because- Although you and Genevieve have completely different personalities, but you know what I'm saying? It's people right. you trust. But yeah. you know, when you join these writing groups or critique groups, sometimes um, I'll, I'll just say the absolute right, the website, that, that that place is like good good reads. It can be full of some bullies sometimes. Yeah. You know, oh, it's it's almost like, yeah, don't get me started on Goodreads. Yeah, I was talking over you. I couldn't hear you. <laughs> right. I like Goodreads for true bibliophiles. So my books are on there, obviously, and I want people to enjoy my books, but there are so many bullies. Anne Rice was behind uh, uh, Good Read Bullies or Stop the Good Read Bullies, however that was called, um, which was, again, <laughs> I have email communication mm -hmm. with Anne Rice. I'm so sad. I, I like grieved when she passed away last year. Oh, I, I know. grieved yeah. hard because I started reading her work in seventh grade. She is the one that got me into paranormal. 
my first book I ever wrote, I didn't write a book. I wrote the ending was Charlotte's Web because I loved Charlotte and I gave her eternal life, not knowing what, you know, immortal life was. Oh, um, wow. I said, what? I said, oh, well. Wow. Well, I, uh, I said, and Charlotte didn't die and she lived forever and ever and ever the end. The funny thing is I'm arachnophobic, oh. but I wanted Charlotte to live forever. Yeah, I wrote short stories. My girlfriend said she still has them. Um, we used to have a notebooks. She would decorate the front of them in, in like seventh grade. And she'd write some and then we'd pass it off in the hallway. And I'd write some and we'd pass it off. And they were always about either New Kids on the Block or there used to be this little group on Disney Channel called The Party. Yeah. Um, so they were always about them and us. Like, you know. And my favorite words were all of a sudden and suddenly. Yeah. I, I remember using, because we all have crutches. Even now I have crutches. You oh, know? Absolutely. yeah, absolutely. That's, that's where your editor and your beta readers come in is yeah. catching those crutches. But yeah, I, it, I've always, since I was a little girl, I've always been obsessed with books. Even, even if I was sitting at the kitchen table eating breakfast, I'd be reading the back of a cereal box. Well, you know, I did that too. But it, it's funny that you talk about being obsessed about books. When I was when I was little, and I'm talking like three, four, five, I loved to read. I mean, I, by the oh, time man. I was three years old, I was reading on a first grade level, you know. And, and a lot of that I think was because of you know I wasn't able to get up and get physically, you know, mobile like a lot of kids. But you know, as I got into school, I really kind of lost my love for books and didn't pick it up again until college. Really? Now, once I got into college, I became obsessed with reading. Oh, I used to. I, you know how they ask people to read out loud. Mm -hmm. The kids hated when I got picked because I read fast, and which means I can talk fast. My husband has had to help me slow my voice down when doing these podcasts because I tend to talk a little fast, you know, which I don't know why I'm from Missouri. We're not known to be fast talkers in the Midwest. I don't know where that came from. Okay. I have a question for you uh, on that <gasps> yes. particular subject. Yes. When you were in school, did you ever have to do oral book reports? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now this this is the kind of writer that I am. When I say that I was born to do this, okay, this is the kind of writer that I am. I was, you know, like I said, in school, I was really not into books. And so I would get up there, all right, and I would literally make up stories about books that I supposedly read. This is like in freshman English, okay? And I would, you know, they, they give me, you know, 90, 100, whatever. Well, then I got up there one day and I started telling the story. And I don't know what possessed my teacher. I don't know what I did or said wrong or whatever, but it made him go to the library to hunt this book up that I was had supposedly read. Okay. And of course it didn't exist because I, it was all in my head. And oh my gosh. The next day he calls me out in the hall and tell, you know, and asked me, did I really read that book? And of course this guy's like six foot eight, you know, he's like, two, he's like a former basketball player. He's a former coach and everything else. And so I'm like scared to death because I'm, you know, five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing freshman in high school. Okay. And so I just kind of, I was like on the verge of tears and I was like, no, I, I didn't read it. And he's like, well, where did you get that story? And I just kind of shrugged. I said, I made it up. And he said, he said, well, you're going to be a writer someday. He said, but from now on, you need to read the books that other people have written. Oh, that is hilarious. No, I never made anything up. I always, they always pick small books. I was always in the middle of a Stephen King book by the time we were, so I was already reading the book. I didn't have to go pick one because I was like so into Stephen King when I was a teenager. I actually have a story that I don't think I've ever told 
anyone on the podcast or YouTube or Facebook. In my freshman year, we had to write a report and I chose abortion. I wrote the thing out. It was in my locker. When I went to go retrieve it, my lock, I guess I didn't close a lock. My lock was like on the ground and they'd ripped the paper out of the notebook and turned it in as their own and it won an award. And the reason I know damn well he didn't write it, first of all, it was a boy and he was a dumb, dumb jock, you know, yeah. the, like prototypical. Yeah. It was my paper and it won an award. It was mine. Oh, wow. I have never, and I've so, because he's on my Facebook friends list. I have so many times thought about posting that story to see if he'd be like, yeah, sorry about that. Well, he's going to hear it now. <laughs> you listen to my podcast. But yeah, um, he won an award in school for that. And uh, he never confessed that he stole that out of, I, what I want to know is, did he turn it in as is, or did he rewrite it in his handwriting? Because it was, you know, back then I had pretty handwriting. So did he turn it in with girls' handwriting or did he rewrite it? going to actually be my question was, did he turn it, you know, did you see it, did, how it got turned in? Because that was no, going to be my question. It, it got read out and with the award and I was like, you have got to be shitting me. <sighs> I couldn't. And I tried to rewrite what I could remember, you know, and I kept trying to tell him, listen, my paper got stolen. I'm like, we could take some pencil and like, you know, so you could see I wrote it. So I was trying to rewrite what I remembered, but no, he, yeah. My, my paper won an award for someone else in like my freshman year, which back then where I went to school, seventh through ninth was in middle school. Now it's like sixth through eighth. Yeah. But yeah. Seventh through ninth was in, in middle school at the time. So, yep. That, that has haunted me for 30 years. Wow. I saw him at a bar. I was waitressing at once too. And I'm like, oh, you thief. <laughs> you stole my accolades. Oh, man. All right. Anything else? You got anything else you want me to talk about specifically? Well, I, do, I do want to mention something because it actually, we were talking about school and everything and, and writing from uh, <clears throat> during school. Um, earlier when we were talking about books and I mentioned the Mendes series and I mentioned my nonfiction books, I forgot what I referred to as my literary stepchild because um, <clears throat> when I was – you know, like I say, as I was about 14, 15, 16 years old, that's where I started getting back into the writing of short stories. And one of the stories actually survived for about 30 years in a box and made it to be published a couple of years ago. It's actually a, a, a young adult story that I have called Sutter's Cave. So that's actually the one that uh, a very good friend of mine who shall remain nameless <coughs> did. <laughs> I remember making that cover. <laughs> That's been a long time ago. Yep. It's been two or, uh, two or three years ago. Yeah. yeah. God, well, I've, I've put up with you for a long time. Yep. But if it weren't for you, I might forget some Sunday nights. That's true. I, I actually, two weeks ago, did not even realize it was Sunday and missed The Walking Dead and remembered on Tuesday. I was like, oh my God, it's Tuesday. So I had to go downstairs. Like I, I usually don't stop writing and working and editing and all that stuff until around 7.30, 8 o'clock. I do long days. Um, but I I had to go down early to watch the episode before yeah. with Eugene to catch up on, which I was getting mad at first. Like this is dragging on. And then it, then it became worth it. But all I could think is I just lost an hour of writing. Yeah. Well, that, you know, this season, of course, they're getting close to the to the end of this part two of the three, I guess. It's yeah, like it's like three more weeks, I think. Yeah. And it's 
this part's kind of dragging on for me. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, there was so many different directions they could have gone with this. Yeah. And they're saying that the part three, which is the last of it, is to be announced. And I'm like, just rip the Band-Aid off. I'm, I'm going down with the sinking ship. Yeah. I've, I was there. Episode one, season one, I'm going down with the ship. Wow. But let's just let's just get it over with. It's yep. yeah, and they're talking about a Carol and Daryl and spinoff. I've heard rumors about a Negan and Maggie spinoff. People yeah. are trying to theorize that Maggie's in love with Negan. Hail to the no, she's not. No. Hail to the no. And it's kind of like the guy said on on uh, what was it, Talking Dead last night, where he said, you know, I've actually had this conversation with my wife where you know if I'm ever murdered, you're not allowed to fall in love with the murderer. You know, no. I mean, it's like logic. I don't even watch Talking Dead anymore. Oh, man. Because they stopped doing all those cool little clips, you know, the behind the scene things. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the the sneak peek is always like the last two minutes. Right. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, the the big news story you want to see. and You got to watch the whole news clip to get to that big news story. Now I stopped watching the Talking Dead. I'm, I'm going down with the ship. I'll watch to the end. Yeah. But... I'm sad that it's ending, but the old Walking Dead, you know, they introduced all these new characters without, you know, we had no, I don't even remember half, Anika, Aniko is one of them, Princess. Yeah, the, the a lot of the characters that they've uh, introduced in the last couple of seasons, it's just like they kind of stuck it in there and yeah. just expect you to accept them and move on. Well, they, they put in these new people and they took out major casts and we're like, whoa, whoa, because- Abraham was new. Rosita was new. Eugene was new. Tara, you know, they were all new to us, but we had time to get to know them and love them. Right. You know, before they took away. Because remember when Bob died? When they, yes. it's tainted me. Yeah. I loved Bob, but he was a very small part. But they let us love him before. You know, it's, I, I don't care about the newer characters. So it's almost like just all we want to watch right now is Daryl, Carol and Maggie and Negan. That's, that's all we care about anymore. Pretty much. Yeah. I and mean, Father Gabriel. Yeah. And, and okay. You know, if, there's rumors, you know, still abounding of the supposed Rick movies and I'm starting to wonder if they're even going to happen. Yeah. That's uh what is that? Walking something or other. It's like a, a thing on, of course I still follow it on Facebook. One of my things is these people that follow the walking dead um, Facebook pages. Why do you still follow it? Because they're always like, I stopped watching after this happened. I said, well, then why are you still following this page? Exactly. I never said if this character died, if that character died, I always thought Rick would be last man standing. That was the biggest, and I understand why he did it. I do understand he's a human. He has a family, but that was the biggest mistake ever made was letting Rick walk off the show. That's when it went downhill. Well, it's like with Judith. I mean, you know, her, first of all, her mom, her actual birth mom dies. Yeah. And Rick leaves. Then Michonne leaves. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to go like, look for Rick. Where was she? Where's she been? What do you mean? I haven't seen her in the last couple episodes. Uh, she, Judith? She was there, yeah, she was there in the basement when that was filling with water. But I haven't seen her in a couple episodes. Yeah, I don't think she's been in the last couple. If she has, it's just been like a glimpse, like you know, like a glimpse walking through... Uh, you know, I, I don't. I come to think of it, I don't think she since the basement. Uh, yeah. she hasn't really been in there. I don't think. Yeah, I and I knew this. Past, I don't know. I, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Sunday yesterday, that episode, I saw that coming. 
Yeah. I saw that coming from a mile away. It's starting to get predictable. Yep. You know, it's just, I miss the old Walking Dead. I used to, oh man, that first trailer would come out and I, my heart would race and I'd get mm -hmm. so excited. You know, I have all the toys. I have a jacket, pillow, curtains, you know, posters, and I still have it all, but it's just not hanging up in my cave anymore. It's all packed away. I don't think I'll ever get rid of it because that is literally the only show in the history that of Lynn that I've like, it's this time of night, it's starting, let's go. I usually abandon shows. Yeah. I think that's why I like Netflix so much though, is I can watch a couple episodes at a time and decide if I like it and move on, you know? And see, that's, that's me. I mean, it's either, it's pretty much, of course I'm an all or nothing type of guy, you know I mean? It's, I'm either all in or it's like, no, I'm done, you know? Well, the Vikings, we started going eh, for a minute. Now it's picked back up. So we'll see. Cause spoiler alert, people die. This Vikings, but I mean, these are real people. Right. I don't, I don't know if the manners of their death were real or not. I didn't research them, but I Googled them. I'm like, holy cow, Ragnar Lothbrok was a real person. Like, <laughs> Lagather was a real person. And now I want to have a daughter so I can name her Lagather. <laughs> I, no, I don't. I don't. Just universe, you did not hear that. I do not. My yeah, kids are grown. Make, I'm done. Please make that happen. No, no. You know, we were talking about possibly getting a puppy because a friend of a friend, um, had eight shepherd rottweiler puppies born under his house or under his shed Good Lord. but the problem is i work at a funeral home and i never really know when i'm gonna work and some days can be four hours and some days can be nine some can be 11. i can't put a puppy in a crate for that long yeah not to mention housebreaking chewing you know it's like I don't think I want to go through all that again. We we talked about when the old girls, you know, when they've passed on and gone over the Rainbow Bridge, yeah. we'll find another Rottweiler to rescue. Instead of, I went through a breeder, my one and only time with Shiloh. Yeah. I, that was the most expensive dog I've ever had. Well, you know, with, with Gracie, the, the one I have now, she's, let's see, she'll be two, no, three in June, I think. Oh, God, I'll have to look now. I think. No, she'll be two. She'll be two in June. I was gonna say it didn't feel like three. And, it was like you just got her. Um, you know, she's already pretty much out of the chewing phase. I mean, she does not. She doesn't want chew toys or you know anything like that. She just you know now if ever I go to Walmart or whatever, I leave. Her, I still leave her in the crate because I don't mm. know if I can trust her yet. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah, my my girls aren't crated anymore, but DJ used to be. But she still she'll go lay in her crate on her own. Yeah. You know, that's her little den. But if I picked up a purse just to move it, she'd run to her crate. If grandma came over, because if grandma came over, we were leaving. She'd run to her crate. She knew. She knew her schedule, you know. Yeah. But Stella is the old girl. She has never been crated. Um, I got her from a pound that most people don't even know about. Somebody had posted like a red alert for this, this pit bull. And I went to go get him. And the dog I had at the time, they did not get along. And they brought out another and another. And this dog I had wanted to kill them all. She goes, let's try something else. And she brings out this dingo looking dog. And uh, yeah, it was it, like instant love. I had to rehome the other dog because she had the worst separation anxiety I'd ever seen in my life. And no crate would hold her. The electric fence wouldn't hold her. And she was going to end up hurting herself or end up on the highway or something, you know? So, but this old girl, I found out as I signed the papers to take her home, she was supposed to be euthanized an hour after that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and she was an adult when we got her. So we're figuring her between 11 and 12 years old, somewhere around there. She's an old girl. 
Well, you know, I always say that uh, you, you've heard me say this on Facebook that Gracie chose me. I mean, yeah. I, I, that day I went up there, she, you know, she was a little bitty puppy and I played with all of her litter mates and everything. I actually went up there with an intent to get another one, uh, another one of her litter mates, which I thought was a girl because I, I had made up my mind. I, I've had, you know, the last two were, were boy dogs and I just kind of wanted to switch things up a little bit and have a girl dog and. I went up there to get one of her litter mates, which was listed as a girl dog. Well, it turns out it was a boy dog. And actually, as fate would have it, somebody else had already said that they wanted it. So I got in there and I was playing with all of her litter mates. She was the only one that wanted to have a thing to do to me. Do to me you know, <laughs> The rest of them were just like, no, nah, we're just going to lay down here and sleep. You, you just go do your thing. We're going to play with each other and lay down here and sleep. I, I had no intention of getting an inside cat. I've got boy cat outside who he'll come in to play with the dog, not play with them. He rubs on the dogs, but he wants back outside. And like my mom says, why wouldn't he? He's got his own apartment. Yeah. You know, my husband has heating and air conditioning out there. He put a cat door in the garage door. I feed him water. He just comes to the door and lets me know what he wants, you know, so he does what he wants when he wants. I had no intention of finding a cat and I follow a local rescue and they showed rocking this cat. So, you know, oh, you know, when they don't feel well. And I was like, oh, my God, tell me about this cat. And I told her my situation, my dog. She goes, you know, I think I have the perfect cat for you. Instant love. Oh. A, this one-eyed bruiser. So I'm like, well, I, I need to meet him, make sure he likes me. <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm here to meet. At the time, it was Davis, which is like the last name of one of our best friends. So we can't do that. <laughs> Come bring it in the pet bed and just bloop, plopped it in front of us. Didn't even like bring me to a room, just plopped it. We've been buddies ever since. He's laying on the bed behind me right now. He'll lay on me. He'll get the zoomies on the back of the couch and then lay down. Yeah. And then zoom around and then lay down. Yeah. <laughs> he is so entertaining, but he's just, the only thing he does that I don't like is what every cat does is the scratching. He does right. nothing wrong. Yeah. Does no wrong at all. He doesn't mind the dogs, doesn't mind anything. He's just chill, which is what, I, and his, his bed is on the, the desk. So when I'm writing, He's my writing partner, my my new muse. I almost feel like writers need pets. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, especially like for me. I mean, I, I'm you know single and and not ready to mingle. So it's just like you know, but next best thing is to have a dog and, and a cat. You know, in my well, we head, tend, two cats. We tend to live solitary lives. Yeah. If it weren't for my my part time job, I don't know that I'd leave the house. Maybe the grocery store. Like, I'm content sitting at my desk working all day. Like that's fine. So it's kind of nice to have a living creature around. Do you remember I used to have betta fish on my desk? Oh, that's right. Yeah, I had three at one point, and one by one they died. I muted you because I had to burp. Don't worry, I'll cut that out. I'm sitting here gulping down water because I'm hungry again, but I'm not hungry. I know I'm not hungry. I've developed bad habits, like snacking habits. I'm not hungry. There's no reason I need a snack. See, that's all I do. I very rarely ever have a meal. I end up snacking. But I'm not like snacking on like carrot sticks. I'm snacking on junk, on junk, on junk, sugar, like Would nonstop you, sugar. Do I seem like a carrot stick guy to you? <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know, I said I snack. I didn't say I snacked on healthy crap. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'd sit. I I would go and uh, I don't know if you guys have an Aldi in uh, Texas or not, but we have an Aldi and they have these sea salt um, chocolate covered caramels, and I'd buy three or four of those. And then the purulinas, however you say that, I'd buy three or four cans of those, and those are my writing snacks. Don't nobody need to sit and do that, you know? Or I'll buy like a family size box of Cheez Its for me and Mike to share, 
and we'll eat the whole box watching TV. I'm not saying he he will. We will eat them like we'll just it's bad habits, man. And then again, you know, if I'm not working a service, you know, walking around, I'm sitting at the desk. And then I come home and I sit at the desk. Yeah. My hips were starting to hurt. So homegirl got got her butt into gear. I'm walking again. I dance when I'm cooking. So, you know, drop it low, drop it low. Well, <laughs> as low as low as my knees will allow anyways, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, it, dropping it, I don't drop it nearly as low as I used to. No, 45-year-old knees do not drop. Uh, Yadier Molina, okay, Cardinals catcher. I don't know how he has not had a knee replacement. Oh, uh, no doubt. He, he'll have him one day. I promise you this is his last year. He signed on for one more year. You, you saw the lockout, right? Or do you even care about baseball? Uh, well, I didn't see the lockout, but I, I, to be honest with you, I've been so wrapped up in uh, March Madness, I haven't uh, really – read anything about baseball i don't care about basketball oh, i just never got in i think it's the squeaking shoes it drives me up the wall but yeah there was uh like you know the whole money thing and so we're gonna be late starting up they had just started spring training recently and it's supposed to start in february and i live for cardinals baseball baby like yeah. that's hell to the yeah eddie i had so much fun having you on oh absolutely anytime yeah you come back Huh? You'll come back? Oh, just sure. Whenever. Just let me know. Next release, we'll have you on so you can just tell us all about your brilliance. That sounds like a good idea. Before we go, tell us your website. Uh, well, right now, I'm, my, my website's kind of in, in flux. The best the best place to find me is on Facebook, facebook.com slash author Edward Hancock II. Um, that's kind of the best place to find me right now. Um, once I get everything back up and running, because and, like I say, I'm a one-man show, uh, I'll have a, a new URL and, and all that good stuff. So, you have any other social uh, sites you want them at TikTok or any of that stuff? Um, well, I have TikTok, but I only have it because everybody keeps sending me TikTok videos. I don't actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if y'all stop sending me TikToks, I can delete it from my phone. Um, but that's why um, I originally got it. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm on, uh, you know, I'm on Instagram. Um, where I really Facebook and Instagram is about my about my main two. You're most active on Facebook, yeah. I mean, that's that's really kind of it. I mean, I, about the only thing I post on uh, Instagram is the occasional funny meme where I post like um, genealogy things, and you know, like if I find a certain connection to this or that king or, or queen or actress or, or you know, I, I love stuff. seeing those though. I yeah. love seeing those. It's so fun. It, it actually, it really is because especially you know, I'm related to. There's, there's been. We're on President 46, and I'm literally related to about 33 of them. That explains a lot about you, actually. Yeah, and it's it's kind of crazy, you know. I loved having you. I can't wait to do this again. Absolutely. Anytime. Everybody, make sure you go check out Edward Hancock II's books on all outlets or just Barnes & Noble and Amazon. Uh, you can find them pretty much anywhere, but the best place to find them is probably Amazon. And, and you know... And, now that we are back up and running with, you know, the economy and the, and the you know, everybody's kind of getting back out. Uh, if you're local to the East Texas area, which is where I'm at, you know, ch check around. There, There's probably going to be a fair or festival somewhere that I'm going to be at either this year or next year. And I'd love to see the pictures. If you find him on this podcast, make sure you tag us in it so we can see you guys together. Absolutely. Thank you, Eddie. I'll talk to you soon. All righty. Bye.